I do need to go out to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. She's a Cleveland native. She works as a senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports. Samantha Bunn joins the show. Samantha, it's been a long time. I'm glad we're finally getting a chance to catch up. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to talk to you again, Spencer. How are you? I'm. I'm. Can't complain. You know, getting through, getting ready for the holidays, all that good stuff. Speaking of which, actually, I want to lead with this because I tweeted something earlier about discovering an underrated Christmas movie, and then you tweeted a response to me. So I was going to ask you, what is the most underrated Christmas movie? All right. So I actually didn't know. I will preface this by saying I didn't even know this was a Christmas movie until very recently because I I think it was made before I was born or at least when I was too young to watch it. And I only came across this recently. I thought it was a Halloween movie or at least skewing towards <laughs> Halloween. And then I saw Gremlins for the first time. Mm. And it is tremendous. It is not a good movie, <laughs> but it might be so bad that it's good. And it's very Christmassy. Like, I, I loved all of the, like, bad, like, low-tech. I mean, forget how incredibly uh, <laughs> much progress we've made in terms of things like set design and, um, you know, the gremlins themselves. <laughs> so it's very, like, analog or lo-fi in a way or however you want to put it. But tremendously good or tremendously yeah. so bad it's good. But I've, it's I've, absolutely amazing. Over the years, I've had a number of people who have had that same take. Like, yeah, Gremlins is a Christmas movie. And it is one of those ones that's kind of like towing the line where we get into these arguments. I don't think it's quite as controversial as like Die Hard is or like what do you where do you put The Nightmare Before Christmas? Is that a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie? I think it's a Halloween movie. I think it's both, but I think that skews more Halloween. Yeah, I, because that, that was for it's Halloween town, right? You know, they yeah, went to visit yeah. Christmas. You can't have it both ways. So I'm going to go Halloween on that one. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right. Well, you get the hard-hitting movie genres here <laughs> when Samantha Bunton is on with me. We appreciate you giving us some time on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Let's talk football. Um, how much of a shot do you give the Browns at 7-4 and four right now, six games to go, and a continued revolving door at quarterback to A- make the playoffs, and B, make an actual legitimate run in the playoffs? I think they have a pretty good shot to make the playoffs, especially when you look at their remaining schedule as well as the remaining schedules of some of the teams that are sort of uh, near them in terms of where they are in the standings. As far as how much of an impact they can make in the playoffs, I I think I've had to back off of this a little bit. Um, I was very gung-ho about this and saying, no, no, I think they can go deep in the playoffs, but the – quarterback situation just keeps deteriorating and I guess this will be an easier question to answer after we've seen you know ancient Joe Flacco on Sunday <laughs> and what he can do and whether he can hang on to the job or do we just give it back to DCR? Hey now, he said he's still got oh. something left in the tank okay <laughs> oh, I hope so Spencer I hope so and yet <laughs> what what should well what what should fans maybe expect from Joe Flacco because my big thing is we've kind of got the show running here an hour in has been I think the biggest thing I can count on is that he's probably not going to turn the football over, which that is a big deal for this offense. And just being able to not give the ball to the other team, I think we've seen that happen a lot. And it's obviously hasn't worked out for the Browns. So is there anything else that fans should maybe be expecting? And what is their ceiling, I guess, with him from an offensive standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the good news um, that you can expect, I think, very technically correct football or at least as technically correct as it can possibly be for a guy who's had the playbook for like two weeks but yeah I mean after what we saw a week ago I 
I will take that <laughs> if it just means they're not going to lose a game after somebody repeatedly losing fumbles. It's just, oh, it's brutal. And it's been brutal all season long. So I think that's the good news. Uh, the bad news is, is like, I think a lot of the athleticism and the, the quickness that that's something you might miss. So I, he's a, I would never have described Joe Flacco as like a smart quarterback previously, but I don't know. Now he's old and he seems like he has wisdom. I, this is ridiculous. I don't know <laughs> if I think of him that way or not. I, I don't know, guys. I'm not sure about that. But, you know, I, I think we will not see a lot of silly, stupid mistakes for sure. And and I think I suspect his arm is still probably pretty decent. As far as the rest of it, I don't know. I'm nervous. He's very old. He looked very bad when we saw him go with the Jets. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the hard dilemma because I think you're like a lot of what you're saying is right. We don't know. Uh, you got like Amari Cooper talking about how his pocket presence is poetry in motion this week and how he just looks so fluid back there. And that certainly speaks to what you'd imagine for a guy like Joe Flacco who's taken as many snaps as he had and had the success that he had as a franchise quarterback. for The Ravens at one point, he won a Super Bowl. Like he has that experience. He has that football IQ like you allude to. But I like I, I there's 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 people calling in the night saying, oh, I'm so excited. This this could, you know, be the, the thing that writes the ship or gets us on track for the rest of the season. I'm like, guys, I don't know if I'm putting all my my stock in Joe Flacco just saving the season here. That, that's that's the hard thing about it. Yeah, and I I agree with you. And I think that the speed of the game is such I mean, we we always mock college players who are like, oh, it's not going to be any different in the NFL. I can handle this. It's not any faster. And then they get smoked and you're like, oh, geez. I mean, wasn't it? Who was the last? Was it Leonard Fournette did that when he came out or something? Who was it? I don't remember who it was, but there was a running back that did this and then got like coasted. Ultimately, he was fine. But so I think maybe we look at that from the opposite end and say, okay, if you've been out of the league a while and you're getting up there in years, like Tom Brady has convinced us all i think that like people can just play until they're 40 or 45 if they just i don't know eat avocado ice cream or whatever it is and you know aaron Rodgers was probably our first piece of proof that that is not just not necessarily true even in this day and age and, and joe flacco would be of course an even more extreme example and was never a quarterback on par with either of those people even at his peak so i worry a little bit about the speed of the game and the ability of somebody to catch up, not just because they're older, but because they have been out of action. So that's kind of the same thing we were saying about Deshaun Watson when coming into the season and saying, hey, you know, can this guy really catch back up after being idle for so long? And he's a lot younger. (laughs) Talking with Samantha Bunton on the hotline. One last thing on the Browns front, barring uh, an epic, a collapse of epic proportions, I should say, where the team just flat out like quits towards the end of the season and they don't make the playoffs and they finish with the seven wins they have right now and that's it. Kevin Stefanski, shouldn't he not be on the hot seat anymore? Yeah, I think that whatever, and I'm not sure there was a lot of legitimacy to him being on the hot seat in the first place this year, although we did put it out there and say, hey, with all these weapons, if they fail spectacularly, Sure, but they haven't done that. I think he's done a remarkably good job of adjusting considering the fact that they have had, in some ways, wonderful luck that we've never seen at all in terms of what happens sort of with in-game stuff, but horrible luck regarding injuries. And they've still put together a pretty good season and will continue to do so. So outside of, like you said, some kind of catastrophic collapse 
probably coupled with the team essentially quitting on him, which I don't think we have any reason to think at least the latter half of that is going to happen. And even the former half of that, the only defense of that argument is, well, it's the Browns, but <laughs> they'll find a way. And I say that half jokingly, but I also say this, you know, we, we all have to protect ourselves, right? Because we've seen yeah. this movie too many times, but, but yeah, no, I don't think Stefanski's going anywhere. I don't think he should go anywhere. Whatever happens between now and the end of the season, I think he has proven that, you know, we can we can back off of him a little yeah. bit, at least in terms of what happens for next season. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of hot seats, though, we already have two job openings. We know that'll be looking for coaches. The Raiders, obviously, being one. The Panthers now, as as of this week, after they moved on from Frank Reich, there's a chance it feels like that we might have like a record for job openings this offseason. Like just the rumors that are out there, there's Bill Belichick maybe being gone at the end of the season. There's the Bears with Eberflu. Like there's a lot of job openings that could be available. And where where do you think these things kind of play out? How many jobs realistically do you think will actually be up for grabs when the offseason rolls around? I agree that I think there's probably going to be more than we normally see just by virtue of the fact that we've already seen two this early. And, you know, I've got probably at least four more in mind that I would almost guarantee the person is going to lose their job or perhaps in Belichick's case, decide that it's time to move on. Um, And that's not even counting. You know, we always get one every year, right? Somebody we're not expecting who ends up getting canned or decides to leave or whatever. So, like, we're somewhere up at, what, like six or eight? already, which would be that that is a huge number of (laughs) jobs to be out there. And I mean, I don't know. I've heard that, you know, Belichick to the Chargers is obviously very intriguing. You know, why is this perpetually underachieving team? And the guy who's coaching there seems like he's actually trying to get fired every week. So, I mean, he's got to be the next to go. Shout out Brandon Staley. He's a local guy, but man, he's having a rough go. Very, very smart man and not a very good football coach. (laughs) It's just... It makes me sad because he seems like a really sharp guy and he has some interesting insights on a lot of things that are not necessarily about what goes on on a football field. But uh, I, he may be, (laughs) excuse me, a one and done uh, as far as a head coaching job. And perhaps Belichick will take his job and then we'll see if he can perhaps fix the, you know, Chargers going to charge her mentality that seems to go on endlessly out there. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I expect Bears opening to to happen. I mean, it's you wonder about some of these guys maybe just switching jobs and I'm speaking specifically of Frank Reich who has to be very thankful that he was fired because that was a mess. I think all of those people, you know, he and and Josh McCown and Staley and all those guys have to be thanking their lucky stars that they are getting away from Pepper and what is looking like a really toxic situation in Carolina. And I expect they will all be hired again. And Frank Reich certainly, I think a candidate for a head coaching job again as well. As far as the rest of these teams, I'm not sure. I think we have to see who ends up available and which coordinators you know, we're, we're still in that that point in the season where a coordinator could, somebody we're not necessarily discussing on that level could emerge as a promising candidate. And somebody could also, like, really, really tank their chances with something yeah. they do between now and the end of the postseason. A few more minutes with Samantha Bunton. You can find her on Twitter, at Samantha Bunton, as uh, we keep the conversation going. One head coach that, I guess, at least from the fan base, is on the hot seat, but I don't think within the organization is, is Sean McDermott. But man, oh man, have things kind of unraveled on that franchise. Do you think this is the end of the Bills window with this kind of current makeup and iteration of this team? Yeah, I I hate to say it. Um, It makes me sad. (laughs) You never 
they never really got there. They never really got their chance. And it almost looks to me like it's... Well, they did, they even, did. But then Patrick Mahomes well, in 13 seconds happened. And that, yeah, they, they got what away from, yeah, 13 <laughs> seconds. And it's just, it's you hate to peak at AFC Championship. And I know, like, as Browns fans, we, we all feel this very deeply, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that is a, it's a bad place to, to yeah. kind of fizzle out. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's really, really frustrating to watch a team that has that much talent and to watch a guy like Josh Allen really, really regress under this particular coaching regime. And, you know, Ken Dorsey gets fired. That's a sacrificial lamb. He gets fired in a week that the defense basically lost the game for them, which is not to imply that the offense isn't a problem. It absolutely is. But that didn't feel like a a real firing. That was what we have to fire somebody and (laughs) you. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily think McDermott is definitely getting fired or anything like that. And a lot of this is going to depend, you know, if they sneak into the postseason, even if they perform poorly there and make a quick exit, I think that will probably provide a stay of execution for most of the staff there. But they have a lot of problems on defense. They've had a lot of issues on offense. They really need to figure out what is going on with Allen, of course. And ultimately, I mean, maybe this is sort of the the warning sign that whether McDermott survives the end of the season and into next year or not, that if they want to take this to the next level, then it probably needs to happen under someone else's office. Mm. I think you're on to something there. We'll certainly keep an eye on that as we continue our conversations into the offseason and beyond. Last thing to get you out of here, Dak Prescott, impressive game last night, I think – People starting to maybe turn the tide towards him being the lead MVP candidate in a weird season where there's not really anybody running away with it. Who do you think is the leader in the clubhouse for MVP at this point? I mean, it probably is Dak Prescott, right? Which is so weird. It's so weird because I Dallas <laughs> still seems spectacularly unimpressive to me. I don't trust their coach at all. I don't trust anything that they're going to do in the postseason. But we haven't really seen the same kind of slam dunk standout performance that we have in recent years when we know who the MVP is. I mean, it's going to be a quarterback, of course, but all of the other people who I would have put up as candidates here. I mean, we just talked about Josh Allen, right? He is the farthest thing from an MVP candidate right now. You know, Jalen Hurts not really doing it for me this year. Patrick Mahomes, a lot of what's going wrong there isn't really about him, but it does probably put him at least somewhat out of the conversation. Joe Burrow gets hurt, so he's out. So we just don't have a lot of great candidates for this. So, I mean, it's almost like a, it reminds me of the that weird baseball season we had during the pandemic when the people who won the Cy Youngs, you look at them and going, really? Like, is this really a Cy? Are we counting this? Does this count? Like, so it's going to feel a little bit like that. It's sort of like, well, what was the least offensive thing that we saw out there that was reasonably protective? And I, I'm not trying to take anything away from Dak. He, he's done a wonderful job, especially considering that um, – you know, he, he works for Mike McCarthy, right? Which is, is no small yeah. feat uh, when that guy's calling your play. <laughs> so, so maybe we should give him the MVP purely based on his ability to overcome that and still look like an outstanding football talent. What would it take, you think, real quick, for Miles Garrett to win it? I know that'd be, like, super rare for a defensive player to win it, but if the Browns somehow drag their way to the playoffs led by this defense, I know he's dealing with that shoulder injury now. We don't really know all the optics of that. But if he gets to, like, 20 sacks, would that be enough to maybe put himself in the conversation? Um, it should. I don't think it will. Um, they're, the, the voters are absolutely, totally and completely addicted to giving this award to quarterbacks. Yes. And while I would place higher odds on somebody like Miles Garrett than another non-quarterback offensive player for this particular award – 
I would be surprised. Um, I think, like you said, you know, if Miles puts together a 20-plus back season, something that just almost statistically jumps off of the page, and you put that together with the fact that this is a year where none of the quarterbacks are really standing out all that much, then sure, I think it's possible. And I would argue that he should be the MVP if that happens. But I'm mm. just not sure if you can convince the, the voting body yeah. to agree with that. That's fair. That's fair. Samantha Bunton, you can follow her on Twitter, at Samantha Bunton. She's a senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports. We always appreciate her time, her insights into the NFL Always good chatting with you. We will definitely do it again soon. I'm. We're, it's getting close to the playoffs, Samantha. You know I love bringing you on to do playoff predictions, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to that in the next month or so. But uh, until next time, take care of yourself, all right? Sounds great. Thanks for having me on, Spencer.